Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, yo, young listeners in cabin country. If you're trying to make sense of the crazy, confusing young adult years, lifelong besties Bjorn and Fudd are here to listen to your personal dilemmas and sip tea Gossip. on our new call-in segment, Cabin Country Tea Slaps. Our first caller tonight is Ella. Hey guys, my boyfriend keeps pressuring me to use 8-ounce yellow jig heads with black paddle tails when we fish crappies, but... I really like using quarter-ounce pink jig heads with chartreuse curly tails. Ella, who catches more crappies? Well, I do. Well, there you go. I never gloat about catching more fish, but when I try suggesting he use a pink jig head, he gets so pouty and withdrawn. Ella, you might want to practice catch and release. Go ahead, Leo. You're on cabin country. Uh, yeah. Do you guys think girls really care about how big your boat motor is? Now, I've got an 18 horse and it gets me where I need to go, you know, but I see a lot of dudes flying past me 90 or 150 horsepower motors and they always seem to have girls with them. They're just flexing, Leo, but don't be fooled by the flash and speed. Those motors may go twice as fast as your motor, but I'll bet the girls get bored twice as fast as well. Really? Sure. Most of those dudes, as you call them, just like to jump in the boat, ramp up the motor to full throttle, out on the lake for a bit, and then head back. Girls might find that thrilling at first, but when the ride is over, I can tell you a lot of them are thinking they might have enjoyed it more if they took their time, saw more of the lake, and could actually talk over the sound of the motor running at full blast. You really don't need a super fast motor to show a girl a good time, do you, Leo? I guess not. Our last caller is Mariah. I'm not sure I can go on seeing my boyfriend because he just confessed to me that he doesn't like s'mores. I just don't think I can be with someone who doesn't eat s'mores. Do you think we should break up? Uh, uh well, that's all we have time for, I'm afraid. Me and Fudd got a blast, but we can't thank you enough for spilling your tea. Gossip with us here in cabin country. It was real valid. Until next time. Keep it real and stay true. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman with another Woodland Escape. Hello, Fudd and listeners. Cabin Country, I'm here. A field report from Camp du Nord, Burnside Lake, Ely, Minnesota. I bang on the side of a winter grounded canoe, the canoe racks, and I am uh, following behind the the lovely spouse and son as I walk across frozen Burnside Lake here. I'm avoiding the cross-country ski trails. Uh, you can't see this right now, but there are three pop-up fish, four, pardon me, I failed math repeatedly, four pop-up fishing houses uh, on Burnside and uh, snow machine taking off with a pull behind, I'm sure, uh, maybe an ice auger, some tip-ups, I suppose on the far outside chance, a thermos of hot coffee, possibly mitts, laughing goose, but let's not kid ourselves, there might also be some 
local microbrews in that fishing house, but it's a gray, I would say leaden sky kind of day here. The winds are way down, way down. Uh, but hoar frost or rime, if you will, on all the trees. And uh, we're walking across the lake where usually we are paddling kayaks. So kind of interesting. Looks like our friend on the snow machine is about to power auger another new fishing hole. Good 200 yards away from the four pop-ups. I'm passing a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, which uh, has been stuck in the ice, clearly marking a no longer used ice hole. I did say ice hole, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, nothing else. All right, I'm avoiding the cross-country ski tracks. I think I told you that already. There is a small hockey rink shoveled out here, courtesy of the good people of Camp du Nord and uh, passing Loon Island, usually off off limits to paddlers and hikers. You'd have to paddle out a ways and then a rocky landing uh, on a small, small island that is usually a nesting spot for Minnesota state birds. So that's exciting, but uh, about 16 degrees up here today. The snow isn't melting. There will probably be a few runs downhill on some uh, inflated inner tubes soon. And uh, perhaps if you pop over to the Cabin Country web page or Facebook page, you may see some of the shots uh, kind of highlighting what it is I'm talking about. So. This is Bjorn Lloydstead signing off for now. I'll be back shortly. Well, this is Fudd walking on the river on this uh, crispy, sunny day on the Gull River. And uh, you can tell I'm a idiot, as I've heard a local call people who come up from the cities. Because <clears throat> even though the ice looks pretty thick, covered with snow, old snowmobile trails. Um, there's even an ice house not too far from where our cabin is. So I'm assuming that it's all pretty thick, but there's always that nervousness, you know. It's, it's been cold right now. It's about 15 degrees up here, Fahrenheit that is. And in fact, I'm standing right across the river, right underneath somebody's homemade uh, swing where they they jump into the river here. I think it's it's kind of a hole, kind of a deep spot, and uh, I'm just a few steps away from where I caught a handful of bass this summer, and uh, so that's kind of cool. One thing I just wanted to mention right off the bat is that in the forty five-ish years I've been coming up to this river, whether it be my cousin Donovan's shack or my dad's cabin, I think I've been up here in the late winter, early spring once. So I have been taking that three-season cabin living, uh, well, to the extreme, I guess. And, um, I just thought, darn it, it was time to get out of the house and and come up. And uh, it's quite quite nice. And I am surprised, even though I can. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I'm out far enough on the river now where I can see where the railroad bridge and County Road 210 or whatever it is, state. I don't know what kind of a road it is, and I'm kind of surprised that I don't hear any traffic roar which i kind of do but uh, anyway yeah this is uh this is fuds uh what are, what are we calling this bjorn i don't know you, you had your dunard trip and recordings and here i am up at the gull river with mine i guess that was part of the inspiration as well well bjorn went up north in the winter i i thought i'd go to the cabin so yeah here I am. Well, I'll, keep, I'll try to keep it short and uh, pick it up next time I'm inspired with something uh, of interest.
All right, another quick word here to our cabin country faithful and Fudd Klugman, who is undoubtedly back in the Oakdale studios as we speak. I'm approaching here on the frozen, frozen waters of the north arm of Burnside Lake, a historic cabin. Uh, this one is referred to as uh, Pilot House, and it's a uh, favorite with photographers and uh, yours truly as well. Many has been the time I have canoed or kayaked along the shore here of Burnside, hugging the shore and tried to bring my kayak underneath Pilot House. It, it hangs out off the rocks over Burnside and uh, on the porch Pilot House is uh, to this day a trapdoor, which can be lifted up and back in the days of pre, uh, <laughs> pre-worries about pollution, I guess you'd lower a bucket down for fresh water. It would be drawn straight out of the crystal clear Burnside Lake here on the edge of the BWCA. Uh, it is a favorite. It is also one of those, I'm told by a lot of locals, that if in fact ever burned down or was destroyed uh, they would not get to rebuild it it's it's way too close to the waterfront so picture coming and uh, the sound of the boots punching through ice anyway you'll be seeing a photo here momentarily of a beautiful beautiful pilot house never been able to stay in this one just haven't been that lucky all right signing off again farewell well just after 1 p.m. and I'm standing, uh, well, I'm standing in the bay right next to the shack and uh, taking, taking pictures of a lot of animal tracks. I think it's going to be time to, to uh, dig out the Tom Brown Jr. books or, or something, try to identify a lot of these tracks. Got cold fingers from taking my gloves on and off, snapping shots, but uh, well, this is what I was hoping for, a kind of surreal perspective on a place that has like always been there in my memory. And uh, it's just, I don't know, for lack of a, a better word, deep in my psyche. And so it's just very, very cool. Like I, like I mentioned, I've never done this before, 45 years, and I just never made regular, well, you know, it takes three hours to get here, and it's cold, you know, you can't stay, and uh, I'm not a diehard hunter or fisher, so, you know, to come up here just for a stroll around the river looking at animal tracks, you know, I mean, it's, it is fun. Maybe I'll start making it an annual thing, I don't know, or maybe I was just driven out of the house because... You know, it's midwinter. You got ca- I got cabin fever, and uh, it's really been great. I went as far as to text uh, neighbor Rick, who lives up here in Brainerd, just to double check uh, the ice thick enough on the river. Just uh, you know, any any places I should watch out for. And got back to me and said, "Well, it's all pretty thick, or it's all pretty good." I think they've been driving trucks on parts of the river, so so it's all good. Anyway. Yeah, I guess that's that's it for the moment. I'm going to continue continue hiking around on the uh, the frozen landscape, but it's it's beautiful. Just uh, kind of low, wispy, flat clouds, just filtering the light a little bit and a little breeze, and it's cold. But I should mention too that as I turned off the car and got into a spot I think I can get it out from without being stuck in the snow and I went back to grab my jacket I realized I didn't grab my jacket I mean I have a fleece on a couple of layers underneath that and then I have this uh this kind of white snow camouflage thing and uh it is sufficing and so I'm staying plenty warm except for my hands when I'm holding a camera or this recorder but, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. Wow, of all the things to forget, a jacket. But uh, I layered up, so I'm pretty good. Okay, on I go. 
and I'll pick it up in a moment. Yeah, I mean, look how big this one is. Dear Cabin Country listeners, and back to you, Fudd. I just, uh, the kindness of uh, Bjorn's lovely wife and uh, son, who's up here working this weekend, uh, a couple of weeks now, actually, photographed right next to one of the big stumps, big white pine. That thing was, I think, at a, a easy estimate, 150 feet high and decades old. A big, beautiful white pine right by the life jacket and paddle house, the boathouse, if you will, here on Burntside at beautiful Dunord. Uh, a boathouse were outside just a year or two ago. Good friend Michael and I worked an entire weekend to refinish canoe paddles and uh, put some new life into vintage, vintage wooden paddles and, and uh, sand them down, refinish. Anyway, the stump in question uh, hit that tree hit by, a, you know, a grand old sentinel here of camp right on the beach, hit by a lightning strike two summers ago, and an explosion we could hear in our cabins. And uh, the next morning out here with Andy uh, talking, you know, chief of uh, all things uh, repair and function up here, uh, talking about how that tree got hit way up near the top and the strike went all the way to the ground, and it basically weakened the tree, uh, the, un- the understanding being if it were allowed to continue, it would continue on in a weakened condition and or possibly die. So the stump you're looking at, that tree, the grand old vizier of the campsite here, uh, brought down just a couple years ago to ensure camp and camper safety. What a beautiful tree and a stump that's probably two and a half to three feet in circumference, I would say diameter here, not circumference. Circumference, we're looking, we're looking big. But sad, crazy day right next to a young pair of Red Pine's about ready to take their place. Anyway, I'll check out again, everybody. Thanks for staying with me here. Beautiful weekend at Camp du Nord. All right, back to you, Fudd. Well, it's 2-something p.m. Back in the van. Uh, just passed on one of the back roads here by by a year-rounder, kind of an older guy, had a dog in his car, kind of looking at me like, what the hell are you parking there for? Well, I, <clears throat> you know, I couldn't, uh, couldn't go any further than I could because it's not plowed all the way. So that's another one of the reasons why we don't come up a lot because, you know, the road isn't plowed. I mean, it's only a couple of blocks of a walk-in. But, but uh, yeah, there you are. But, uh, well, that's good. I didn't fall through the ice and, and, uh, or anything like that. So it was, uh, quite fun. If I think of anything more scintillating to cap, cap off the experience, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, hop on the recorder again. But right now I'm just kind of finishing what's left of my tuna sandwich and, um, gonna head back. Yet again, back one more time, Cabin Country Faithful and the mighty Fudd Klugman showing you images of uh, Blueberry Island. Probably about 400 yards offshore, a favorite with anglers, favorite with blueberry pickers, a favorite with campers and counselors attempting to get away from the prying eyes of adults. It was on that famous, famous, excuse me, my lips are getting a little numb out here. A famous Blueberry Island where brother-in-law Ray and my son, Bjorn Jr., I believe, caught the same smallmouth bass. And when I say small, I mean small. One pound, maybe half a pound, smally, off the steep rocks and the deep water to the northward side of that island. It kept giving it back. And it kept biting. We kept putting him back, and he kept biting. It's good stuff. Uh, Burntside famous for deep water downrigging for lake trout, but not necessarily a hot spot for smallmouth and uh, crappie. But, you know, people have proved us wrong year in, year out. Caught fair-sized northerns, fair-sized walleye even here. Uh, 
Many a kayak has gone in between the slips of these rocks out here on Blueberry, and many a pint of blueberries have been harvested. It's a beautiful spot, and shallow on one side, that northern Minnesota granite, and then on the other side, a sheer drop. The water goes from shallow and visible on the one side to you can see the rocks sliding away steeply and jet black water on the other. Uh, tiny little junipers clawing their way roots first into the granite. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful spot. A couple little dwarf birch on this island as well. Sweet gale growing on one side and blueberry shrubs small sized blueberry shrubs all over but that does not diminish the, the fruit producing power anyway a beautiful spot the sound of crunching through snow and where I stand right now is usually three foot swell on a windy day anyway enjoyable starting to think about the finer points of a hot cup of coffee folks all right mitts awaits from the cabin they call white pine here on the shores of burnside lake thanks for listening thanks for joining me and back to the cabin country podcast i think one last report here from a top of what i'm going to call a granite outcrop i'm probably wrong could be basalt i'm not sure anyway we call it Old Baldy up here at Denord, and uh, a couple of panoramic shots, a couple of photos of my family standing up here. Uh, there was a burn, a controlled burn, a couple of years ago, and uh, lots of down timber and dead timber, um, but burned, and uh, the green stuff coming up, but an unbelievable vantage point. Uh, lakes in all directions, uh, and you're looking at the tops of trees that between 75 and 100 feet tall. There are blueberries up here in the summer. And again, plants like Linnea and, and uh, Cordia or Cordialis? Cordialis. Cordialis? Eh, we're staying when we need them. Anyway, you know, breaking through the, the stone up here, lichens and mosses, unbelievable vista. Jack pine, white pine and uh, red pine everywhere you look. Jack pine with those cement-like little cones that won't open until the fire. A beautiful, beautiful sight, and amazing that trees can grow up here basically right out of the rock. Anyway, my last report from the greater Ely environs. Thank you, Cabin Country listeners, and uh, Fudd, Don, back to the show. You're the kind of person who loves the smell of firewood blazing on the hearth. You enjoy the ambiance and warmth of pine crackling in the outdoor fire ring. And the steaks, dogs, and chili never tasted any better. And let's not forget about the seasoned smallmouth sizzling in the cast iron. You know what we mean and you know who you are. The snags and woodland downfall are waiting for you and your best friend, your chainsaw. Keep your best friend running smooth and friction-free with Can of the Woods. The new environmentally friendly bar and chain lubricant made entirely of cabin country produced canola oil. We all know how important it is to lubricate a chainsaw. Can of the Woods canola oil is currently the most environmentally friendly and effective chain and bar lubricant on the market. Canola based chain and bar oil has been extensively tested in Europe and now has the green light for your use here in cabin country. Can of the Woods will keep your saw running smooth and friction free enabling you to create a giant pile of firewood ready to burn in half the time. And we'll be darned if your saw's aroma while cutting might not make you think of a plate of sizzling home fries or a rooster pheasant roasting in the oven. How great can things get? And a chainsaw bar and chain that's working efficiently and smoothly is one of life's subtle joys, specifically to those of us who spend our free time beefing up our firewood stacks. Midwestern-grown canola becomes can of the woods, Cabin Country's premier planet-friendly chainsaw lubricant. Can of the Woods is the official chainsaw lubricant of the Minnesota Timber Beasts.
Well, all right. Welcome back. We're back in the warmth of the Oakdale studio. Balmy. You bet. Yes. Although we did just step out for our, our evening uh, pre-show stogie. You bet. Not to worry here. I swished with some mouthwash, so <laughs> I'm not stinking up the microphone. Uh, you know. Cigar face. We try to, yes, you know, we, we don't do a lot of cigars, but... Uh, no. When I do, I try to, you know, my wife's very, you know, she's 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 okay with it, uh, but I do try to make the best effort to, you know, clean my act up before De I stogie. head back upstairs Indeed, or you bet. evenings television watching. Boy, you stink. <laughs> do you guys have a cigar or a pipe tonight? Oh. At any rate, yes. um, <clears throat> it was uh, fun listening to your adventures there, walking on the frozen ice toward... Blueberry Island, where Blueberry. one side is really steep, and well, I've got a, I've got a couple of things I've got to clear up here, Fudd. I, uh, I, oh yeah, a couple of misnomers. Uh, those who are paying attention and might be somewhat familiar with the Dunord environs, I, I at one point realized I'm I'm walking past fishing holes here where people have oh, yeah. have angled, and and upon leaving, it's I remember this from Daggett Lake. You know, if you augered a hole in the ice and then you were done you put a, a bough of a tree something a stick uh-huh. you know some kind of piece of wood or something in there and then built up the snow around it just so people realized hey there's a there's a hole here there's a hole here be careful wow. i mean this this could be you know six inches wide this could be a foot wide but regardless there's a hole you want to stay away from and i was trying to stay out of cross-country ski paths there's a lot yeah. of people that like to just go for distance and not so much hit the trails you know in in the trees and going up the hills and down the hills and a lot of people just want to put their their skis on and zip across the lake and, and get some distance in and so i was doing the best i could to stay off those ski trails and, and I, I was like oh my gosh there's like i'm passing a it looked like a charlie brown christmas tree stuck <laughs> up out of the out of yeah. the ice here and like, oh somebody somebody augered a hole for ice fishing right in between these paths oh really ski trails and said oh i'm going past an old fishing hole here and you know people were good they put uh little pine boughs in their former fishing hole and built it up and that's good and then then i realized no this is actually separating the you know coming and going paths (laughs) it was just just marking the path so I, I, i kept walking i was like here's another one and another one, and they're always right in between the two. Okay, so these are these are trail markers for skiers. Ah, so shame not, on me, shame. Not fuck. marking the holes. Not there. marking the holes. No, not at all. Not I was at all. gonna say that uh, that's pretty conscientious of of the fisher people to to do that because I what I'm familiar with is that the only indication that there might be a hole recently froze over is that there's a few leftover beer cans nearby or <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe an unwanted perch that was left on the Left to freeze like, solid, watch, yes. Watch your step. But uh, but it was to mark the, the ski Just trails. marking the trails, yeah. And I, and I think people go out for evening skis and, you know, sun drops rapidly. So, you know, they're zipping along. You can see, well, I'm still in the path. And sure enough, I'm, I'm not heading into oncoming traffic, so... Uh-huh. I stand corrected. There were lots of those little trees marking the path, and that was that was a, a kind offering from the people at Dunard. Uh, the other thing I said at one point, I, I I think in the cold and the crunch of the snow and the wind blowing, said, "Well, here's beautiful Blueberry Island, probably 400 yards offshore." And the reality is, I think it's more like 150. Come on. The cold was hitting my brain, Fudd. I was just, <laughs> kind of, man, it's far. No, it's not that far out. I mean. People just kayak out there. It's a short, short little shot. They've been known to paddleboard out there and zip around the island. And, and that's that's always a touchy subject at Dunora. Really, with the paddleboards, they're supposed to stay in and near the swimming area. Uh-huh. Um, up there a couple different times when young people would take a, a paddleboard and, and not be real sure of themselves, and then the wind would come up, and all of a sudden they're halfway down Oh, yeah. The north arm, and people are going, oh, my, it's going to be somebody get in the boat, get out there, help that person. But, uh, yeah, it's only about 150 yards, I think, at best. But anyway, there's a whole bunch of people going, so what? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> For our Do Nord listeners, I don't want That's them right. thinking, oh, Fudd's, Fudd's just smiling and nodding as Bjorn's lost his mind. And <laughs> it's six miles from shore, and by God, it's beautiful and... It is beautiful. I mean, and, and what 
never ceases to amaze me is to be able to walk out there and just climb up the side where you know usually you're you're in a kayak and mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's kind of a precarious disembarking and uh, hopping up on that island and bringing the kayak up a little bit and uh, walking around and real shallow on the one side and you can see the I, I still to this day I'm not sure if it's granite or basalt I'm not sure I'm, I have the funny feeling it's granite because I feel like basalt's kind of a almost a crust kind of stone it would be way down a bit but uh, whatever it is it, it's a real gradual you can see the rock kind of come up and you know there's six inches of water whatever and mm-hmm. you get out and wet boot it and bring it up and, and climb around the island a little bit and see these just stunted little birch trees stunted little jack pines in the summer it's just blueberry bushes short real small blueberry bushes but they that does not impede their ability to create fruit so people love to go out there and and so the island looks pretty i kind of had this vision that it was well much bigger than it no, looks it's, in it's, the, it's pretty small kind of a, yeah i mean you can there's a little footpath you know created over the the decades of people just kind of walking from one end to the other but it's um uh, yeah, there's there's not much to it. I mean, it's it's a little place. People like to go out there and just sit on the the far rocks and and wet a line, and mm-hmm. see if they can catch anything. And I know I told the story of my brother-in-law. I think my son, maybe one of his sons, going out there and fishing for bass and or whatever they could get their hook into, and and catching the same like six-inch smallmouth about five times in a row before kind of realizing <laughs> that's enough, and you've got to be in pain by this point. So get back in the lake and don't. Don't keep biting. Yeah, glutton you know? for punishment. Oh or man! It's in, and yet they'll have their their weekly you know fisher person contest, their best angler, and man, it it never fails. I mean, I've fished every little crop of rocks off the camp uh, shoreline and caught a cold. Basically, you know, <laughs> I think I told the story at one point of my son casting as a very young man, and with such gusto, he let fly of the rod. <laughs> 10 feet out, and I got a snag off the shore and trying and to get this thing, and in I went, and, and oh all God. this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, wallet in the back pocket, keys in the front pocket, and hiking boots on. I'm trying to swim my way around and um, never, never catching anything, and yet somebody every week manages to. Well, they caught a two pound walleye off of Siam, and oh my goodness, you know, it's. 20-inch northern pike hauled. I'm like, where are you people getting these things? What's your secret? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea, but uh, it does happen, so we know the fish are out there. It's just, uh, yeah, Blueberry's an interesting place. Real shallow on the one side and just a steep drop-off on the other side. And there is a favorite of mine where you kayak around the backside of that island, and there's almost, it's like a the way the rock is structured, it's almost like a little... You can pull the nose of your kayak in, and there's just like 10-foot walls of stone on each side oh, of wow. you. And you look over the side of the kayak, and it's just dark. You know, it's oh, like really? this water is deep. So, hmm. yeah, it's a beautiful little island, and, and I'm used to kayaking out to it. And there I was crunching around in the snow past it. And there there in the distance was an angler hunkered down on his five-gallon bucket, you know. Yeah. He'd, he'd augered a hole out and was fishing. I... I did manage to ask him when he came back on shore, did you catch anything out there? And, ah, you know, I thought he said he'd caught a couple fair-sized lake trout, but just put oh, them back because okay. he didn't feel like dealing Cleaning. with them today. And yeah, and I don't blame him. It was really cold, but I was like, lake trout? What in the world? What are you using for bait? For crying out loud, you're chumming the hole with, like, you know, blood and guts, and we're waiting. I, I don't know. I was crazy. I was like, I've never seen anything like that. You're attracting sharks? This is crazy. <laughs> But yeah, beautiful, beautiful to be out there. The skies were quite gray, as can be seen in some of those pictures that we've posted. But uh, yeah, moody looking shots. Moody, yes. I think I said kind of leaden like skies. Yeah, and, and then every tree on the shoreline was just encrusted in white. You know, it's like I would have called it hoarfrost, and the couple of guys up there were like, "Oh yeah, the trees is rime all over everything." Rime. Ooh, okay. It's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. This is the time of year when the cabin fever has well set in. Oh, yeah. We'd probably rather not think about winter, but uh, it's still fascinating to see the frozen landscape, the the suspended animation is what I find so great about it. So I really enjoyed myself just kind of 
standing in the middle of the bay next to the Donovan's shack. Right. Where I spent so much of my youth, you know, just right. floating around in an old fishing boat. Something similar to the Sea Maid of right. my dad's. Right, and yeah. Caught a lot of bullheads out of there. And sure. Looked at sunnies and turtles and all that kind of stuff. And to just be so standing there and looking up at the shack and... Yeah, it's just a. Uh, I don't know. It's it's really cool. I suppose if you lived up there, it wouldn't be quite as magical. I'm, I right. suppose. But well, did the train go by while you were standing? It never the... did. I, you know, oh. here I was with my recorder, right, thinking, all right, if that if the train comes by, well, it would have been crystal clear. You'd have heard it. Would have been it. great, but yeah. uh, no, plenty of traffic. It wasn't all that loud. You know, the wind I think was blowing. I don't know, it was coming from the south, believe it or not, even though it was a 15-degree day. It was really windy. We were on the lake on my way back to my dad's place. So I'm coming, you know, south on the river, I guess, you know, into the wind. It was really cold. Right. But uh, the sun was out, and uh, I kind of stayed close to the shore. Couldn't believe all the animal tracks. Mm -hmm. I think mostly raccoon. As I mentioned, I, I, I should have had my little... Well, I've got one right here. This little tracks, animal tracks, you know, a little fold out that I could. But there's so many tracks, you know, raccoon or the, well, muskrats or I don't know if muskrats come out in the winter or. Yeah, it's a good, or not. good question. I would I would think they'd probably be pine martin maybe probably or, be uh, hibernating to some extent. Yeah, or, I, I know, thought so. Under under the ice to some extent, and with air, of course, they'd need an air channel. But I mean. Yeah, it. I came across a track too. I couldn't quite identify. Um, looked like the world's smallest dog, but those those the way it was walking, it was almost like it was just leaving two tracks. I mean, the yeah. the, the the paws, front, rear, they were like right on top of each other. Yeah, you know. And I, I kept hearing like something out of Star Wars. Well, they're walking single file, so you don't know how many there are. You know, this kind yeah. of thing. I was like, well, yeah, I don't know. I, Maybe it was a young fox. I'm not sure. I'm not up on my tracks, you know, and I didn't have a, a Tom Brown pocket guide or anything like that. But, um, yeah. It was interesting. I mean, rabbits galore and squirrels, the wispy little tracks of field mice, obviously, zipping around. And, right. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, There's something about being on that frozen water. Where you're just used to nonstop traffic in the summer. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think more so with your dad's place, the Gull River, especially, you know, July, mm -hmm. is just alive with, I mean, boats nonstop, pontoons, jet skis, jet skis flying around, all this kind of stuff. And then you go up in January or February and there's nothing. It's right. It's just the, the deafening silence, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and it was fun hearing your recordings. There was a lot more. You know, bird sounds, et cetera, in the background. Um, whereas up in Ely, it was it was pretty quiet. Yeah, there wasn't much of anything going on. The occasionally, a pileated woodpecker, right, and hear some noise. Um, and ravens are you can't get rid of the ravens, and I, I don't mind. I mean, I love ravens. I just, it's just it's kind of interesting. They're they're omnipresent, but uh, everything you're used to seeing, hearing, et cetera, is just they're they're gone for the season. And, right. Uh, and yet, with all the animal tracks, there is quite a lot going on. Probably, oh, yeah. oh, probably yeah. after dark. Or another thing too, I'm sure I was very visible, and uh, nothing came within sight of me. You know, right? But, uh, looking at all the traffic around, all the cattails and weeds by the shore, it's like, boy, it's a, it's a busy place. So you fought the urge to go in the cabin. Well, part of that was because I didn't have my. I have a key on a big keychain that has too many keys on it. Right. And when I travel around home here, I usually just have a car key. Warden, but, Warden Fudd, yes, indeed. So, uh, but I know that there's an extra key in the shed that has a, you know, a combination padlock on it. And I, of course, opened that up, but trying to get the door open, the bottom, there's snow and ice had kind of... Sure. I thought, well, sealed, it's it sealed it shut. More work than it was worth. Not really worth it. But I walked around the cabin, no signs of any damage, you know. Right. Broken windows or anybody trying to get in. And Animal invasion. Yeah, noth nothing that I could tell. So I just thought, well, it's all right. This was, this was a trip I just wanted to go up and walk on the ice, 
walk on the water, as it were. Correct. You know, a perspective I never usually have. And I was also kind of having a little uh, a funny feeling about not calling my dad beforehand because I, I felt a little guilty, like, because I just wanted to go up. I, I so seldomly get up there all by myself. Right. And um, I, I just thought, well, I'm just going to go. But I did after I got back a couple of days ago. I said, well, I went up to the cabin, and sorry I didn't invite you. But, oh, that's no problem. Go up anytime you want. That's fine. I probably would have said no anyway. It's too cold. And, <laughs> but, yeah, I was feeling kind of funny about it because, I mean, if, if it's summertime, of course, well, there's always something to be done. And, oh, I, I'll, I'll come up with you. And I, I, right. didn't, I didn't want that to happen. So right. I, I waited. And, but it was a nice get out of the house as yeah. well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Feeling the urge absolutely. to You know, and I mean, in our, our case, it was a... Uh, we have a cabin reserved, so we actually had a, a place to be, and, and uh, there's a shot there of the inside of White Pine, and my copy of Sigurd Olson's Runes of the North that I would, was sitting by the fire reading, and uh, I, I will admit, Fudd, it's the first Sigurd Olson book I've read. Oh, really? And uh, I don't know. I, I, I just... Uh, Never really dawned on me, but it was a it was a holiday gift, so I thought shucks we're up here and this is Sigurd Olson country, so I'm gonna read it and I wasn't disappointed. It was very, very good, but yeah, I just left that book sitting on the table and the fire crackling in the background. The trusty digital recorder sitting right next to it looking like a troll. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With its little windsock on that's it. That's right, that's right. The big the big head. Yeah. Well this seems like a good place to take a break. But uh, when we come back, we've got a message we received from a listener in Geneva, Illinois. So uh, we'll read that when we come back right after this. Well, it's been a slow week in cabin country. It was a warm week for February. Real heat wave reaching up into the mid-30s. It's that time of year we're all suffering from cabin fever. And when we look out our windows and see water starting to drip from icicles, a lot of us get the notion to grab the long-handled ice chipper from the garage and march down the driveway on a mission to speed up the melting process by chipping away the ice dams out at the end of the driveway. An activity my grandpa always thought was absolutely ridiculous. What the hell's the point of doing something Mother Nature will take care of anyway, he used to say. If you're going to chip the ice, you might as well be making a hole in the lake for fishing. Yes, Gramps loved ice fishing, and on Saturday afternoons in the winter, he would pick me up in his old 52 Ford and we'd go fishing for crappies. At that time, my dad had lost his enthusiasm for ice fishing since he started working for the post office as a mail carrier. After walking through snow and ice all week, he was less inclined to spend his weekend sitting on a frozen lake and staring at a hole in the ice. So it was me and Gramps out there on the lake, sitting on white plastic buckets with our backs to the wind, jiggling bright yellow bobbers, hoping to catch enough crappies for supper. I'm going to do a song for you now about those days on the ice with Gramps, with a little help from a young musician from St. Louis Park. He calls himself T-Box. T-Box, why don't you join me? Sounds like these folks have heard about you. Well, T-Box, tell us how you got started. In oh, well, let's go. Ice fishing with Gramps on a Saturday afternoon. Well, we'd sometimes fish all day till our lips turn blue. And though my fingers and toes got cold, my heart was warmed by the stories you told. Gramps, you were my hero. Except for the days when it was well below zero. My, my mother was convinced you were trying to kill me. And I knew that you were only trying to thrill me. No, we didn't always see the sun, but you always made fishing fun. Ice fishing with Gramps on Saturday afternoon. 
Yes, tweet fish and fish tell her lips turn blue. But I didn't care if I was with you. You always made me feel warm. Nice fishing with you. Thank you, T-Box. Yes, sir, that's Lloyd. Good old Lloyd. Welcome back to Cabin Country. Thanks for hanging out with us. As I mentioned, we have uh, another message from a fan of the show from Geneva, Illinois. His name is Patrick McNulty. Bjorn, why don't you go ahead and read the message? I will do so. All right. Well, he starts off with Fudd and Bjorn. I'm a huge fan of your show. I'm on a mission to buy a cabin of my own, but my two greatest obstacles are my wife and my bank. So for now, I will keep listening. You're all I've got to help satisfy my longing for peaceful times in the woods. All the best, Patrick McNulty. And then it looks like another another piece of uh, mail here from Mr. McNulty. Yeah, that was the incident. Then I, I got back to him and, hey, thanks a lot. And then he, he got back to us. Um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and continue? All right, all right. <laughs> I thought you were going to read it there, Fudd. No, right, yeah. you go for it, Bjorn. Here I go. Right. Hello, Fudd and Bjorn. Fudd, thank you for your reply to my Instagram message. I'm a huge fan, and it's a great honor to hear from you. You're more than welcome to use any of my comments. Thank you for the offer of a Cabin Country mug. I would be happy to pay for one, but if you insist, the following is my address, which I will not read right now. We'll, we'll, we'll save him his uh, his anonymity here. Somebody might want to get, break in and steal his Cabin Country mug. Yeah, that mug, hot property. And, he, and then he fires off, as I mentioned, my two greatest obstacles to cabin life are my wife and my bank. The concept of spiders and mouse droppings is not one that my wife understands. And sadly, even the most primeval cabins that I've found come with a price tag that is slightly more than I can afford without her knowing about it. I considered getting a part-time job at A&W, but if I come home smelling like curds, she'll be on to me for sure. Your advice on this matter would be greatly appreciated. In the meantime, I'll continue to live vicariously through you while I listen to Cabin Country from my ice fishing shack on one of our great Midwestern bodies of water. All the best, Patrick McNulty. Yeah, it uh, it reminded me a little bit of... of Mr. David Barnett's, you know, in the, in the same that there's a challenge with having close family members share the same kind of desire correct, to have correct, yeah, a cabin, and it makes me all the well more grateful that right. I had our cabin because of my dad, and so. But um, advice, I don't, I don't know what advice we can give him. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I've heard both sides of it too. I, I went through a phase where. I was going to have to reclaim a cabin somewhere on the whitefish chain. And I heard the same thing from a financial advisor. Well, you're in the wrong line of work <laughs> unless you've got a, you know, really impressive money printer in your basement that is highly <laughs> illegal. I would strongly suggest against it, but you're not, it's just, it's, it's an expense you can't afford right now. And then getting kind of the sidebar story from, from my better half, you know, we can't really afford it and I understand it's a nostalgia thing and but you know make friends with people who have cabins I love that response you know I mean I can hear Patrick right now but but but, but I don't want to you know <laughs> I want my own place that I can put my footprint on and kind of branch out and I, yeah it's tough I mean it's it's a difficult thing but if my dad, back in the day, uh, before they bought the, the place on Daggett, it was very much a case of my mom was not at all interested in spending any time in a tent, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just... And, and, and then getting that place and driving through Cross Lake past the Corps of Engineer campground, and on a beautiful weekend, people looked like they were really enjoying themselves and having a great time and... Well, it doesn't look too bad, but we've got a roof over our head and a bathroom. How about that? You know, yeah. that that sold her. That was that was enough, and then she could start playing with the interior decorating of this little two-bedroom fishing shack. This yeah, knotty pine and shag carpet, and oh, next we're going to do this, and oh, it's going to be beautiful, blah blah blah. And my dad would just kind of nod, like, whatever, you're here. That's all <laughs> that matters. But then driving by that same campground, coming into town on a rainy night. And and she would that, that was part and parcel. You knew what you were going to hear as we drove by. The, oh, those poor people! 
yeah. wet tents and wet everything, and they're trying to hang stuff out on lines, and it's getting rained on. Oh, I can't imagine. Sure glad we've got a cabin. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just kind of saw my dad start beaming. Yes, <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. We're in. So, yeah, yeah, it was a done deal. So it was, it was pretty easy, and it was, I don't know, I mean... She was not totally into the great outdoors, didn't particularly enjoy being in the boat, couldn't swim, you know, mm-hmm. so maybe she was a North Shore fisher person at, at right. heart. I, What's the point? I go in, it's uh, so cold, I'm not going to... No, she just couldn't swim, so it was, uh, that was not a great thrill for her, and, and sadly, the kind of devilish side of me, if I, if I got the wheel and the throttle of the, of the Lund with the 50 horse on the back... I keep saying Lund. It was a Larson. It doesn't matter. You know, she'd be sitting there, and, well, let's just look at the cabins on the shore. And I'd be like, yep. And then i just kick that sucker down. <laughs> take, oh, wait. <laughs> Hang on to her hat. For Pete's sake, slow down. Let's see how fast we can get this thing going. So anyway, you know, Patrick just... Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, you don't come home smelling like curds and, and uh, <laughs> roller grill hot dogs and old A&W, you know. Not, not a shot at A&W. We're great fans. But uh, I guess uh, you've got a, you got a nice fishing shack, Patrick. And, and uh, for now, at least, these cold winter months, you can, you can dream, right? And yeah. We, we show no signs of stopping anytime soon. So if this, if, if this is a vicarious way to live... The cabin existence, right. we'll, we'll keep offering you that, and maybe, I don't know, with with the proper... Uh, maybe I, we could complain more about the, and, the issues of, of the cabin and, you know, the headaches, so that way you can say, oh, thank goodness I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> you know, you got to hook up the shop vac to blow out all the yes. water lines. Yeah, out loud. Electrical tape and a section of hall, man, you don't want that. And, you know, the dock, you got to put in your dock in the spring and take it out in the fall and man was that a heavy job although I did just talk to my dad and I suggested dad this year for the dog leg right we're, we're going to get a new section are you going to build it or, or just buy it made well I don't know yet but we got to I was trying to you know and he acknowledged of course that sure. it's old and sure. it, it was a whole it's a homemade section and uh, the dock just kind of each year you put it in it's Twisted and shimmied, just more sway a little back. more off. Yeah, yeah. And, and we also kind of place our dock a little too close to the water, I think. And okay. So the water kind of keeps the bottom of it, you know, wet, and it makes an easy get up for geese. Oh yeah, we've talked about we've that. Heard about the geese? Not to get off on the whole dock thing, but you see, Patrick. I mean, you know, I, in fact, you Bjorn have uh, said too that what's nice about say. Nord is that uh, you spend a week up there and you clean it, try to leave it better than you found it, and yep. when you leave, you're done. And That's it. You don't have to. It's been great. Time to get home and worry pay about bills it. and get back to work and mow the lawn <laughs> and all that fun. But yeah, I mean, you get to enjoy it for a time and then do it like you said. Do a great job of uh, making it pristine for the next family coming in, and uh, your commitment is over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and there's no. You, you pay your, your cost for your week, and, and, and that's it. There's no second mortgage. There's no, oh, my gosh, a birch just fell on the roof of this place. What are we going to do next? Are the neighbors calling to tell you about the storm that just twisted <laughs> yeah. your dock into a, a pretzel shape halfway down river or anything along those lines? Now, that doesn't write off the idea of cabin ownership. No, either of us. I not mean, at it's all. Just, it may not all be that convincing, but we're no, trying we're, to. We're trying to. I mean, of course, you kind of love the headaches too. But what I'm finding, both from from uh, David Barnett's um, experience, having just recently gotten a small cabin in New Jersey, yeah, and uh, now Patrick McNulty, you know, pining for owning one someday. Um, right. It's interesting that when you come across it later, and I'm I'm lucky and very spoiled that. All my life, I've had access to a cabin that either was in the family or, mm-hmm. you know, in a close, extended part of the family, right. and uh, it, it's just it's great because to go into it midway. Now, my wife—I don't know if I explained in the other episode—that she grew up not having a cabin, not mm-hmm. camping. Mm-hmm. You know, she had intellectual parents. They read a lot of books, saw a lot of movies. And um, which is great. I like Absolutely. those as well, without a doubt. Um, but it was kind of new to her when she met me to 
wow, I have a cabin and go fishing. And I really lucked out, I guess. Maybe the timing and the stars and the planets were aligned that, mm -hmm. you know, I proposed to her. And then I brought her up to the first time to the cabin and she loved it and caught a fish up there. And so it was it was well sealed in her mind. It's like, well, this is fun. Right. And it has continued to to be fun for her. So thank sure. goodness for that because uh, I, I remember too when the kids were really young, that yeah. those first few years where you're a, a parent helicopter where you're hovering over <laughs> every little move they make, those first few years you're thinking, I don't know if the stress is worth this, dare I say. But, but eventually they grow up and then they start to love it and uh, then, then you love it too. It's like, oh, not only does my wife who didn't grow up in a having a cabin love it, but my kids have grown to love this. So, well, there's that aspect too you can't deny, especially if you've you know put in a few years or a few decades of of work. You mm -hmm. know, uh, what a what a great escape. You know, just this yeah. is a place where I don't have to think about the job. This is a place yeah. where I can just kind of yes, there's things to do. You know, there's food preparation and getting that lawn cut and making sure everything's running the way it's supposed to. But it's 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 an escape from yeah, that's the, really... hard, the hard realities of the work world, you know. Uh, the old fishing resort being sold off a cabin at a time yeah. seems to have passed, you know. Right. It's just like that, that the sunset on that. You know, my folks got theirs in the early 70s. And yeah, I won't lie. I mean, when we, we went into that place... It, the the lemon yellow paint on the outside and lime green trim. I mean, that paint was all kind of <laughs> flaking off and, you know, little rudimentary wooden steps that were starting to fall apart leading into it. And, and I think, I remember I was in about first grade and just kind of going, we're going to do what? <laughs> we're, we're staying here? Oh, my, you know, and then, but, uh, you know, my dad, God bless him, he, man of many, many talents, and it, it was just... Several summers of hard work, and that place, it was it was airtight, you know. It was uh, up on its, you know, he replaced some of the concrete footings and uh, ended up bringing the neighbor guy up who was a pretty good woodworker, electrician, and they built a deck, and they wired up all kinds of things, and suddenly it wasn't the beat-up old fishing shack. Now, one thing about that place that was always interesting, because it was up on concrete, and I'm going to guess the Donovan shack is similar, you know, it's not, there's no foundation. I mean, it's just right. up on yeah. block. And uh, and it hasn't moved for... No, no. And and when you're new to a place like that, the first few times we heard chipmunks or squirrels running around in the leaf yeah. you underneath know, mold you underneath that cabin. <laughs> I mean, just pine flooring. We, th yeah. we thought for sure they were in the building. Like, oh, oh, my gosh, gosh, what in the world? Dad, we're going to have to get some traps. You know, and he finally was like, I think we're panicking for no real reason here. And he took the Coleman lantern and went and looked underneath. And he's like, no, nah, there's chipmunks running around under there. They're not in the, not in the cabin. And I don't really know how he, how he got under there, uh, but he did. And he made sure that, that everything was... You know, all tight as a drum. Like I said, I mean, you're not you're not coming in. Yeah. And then it was okay. And now we're going to do chicken wire around all these sides so things can't get in. That cut that down, and we didn't hear that anymore. So that was kind of nice. And yeah, just kind of crazy. But I mean, you know, you, I go up there every every once in a great while. Sometimes you'll humor me, and we'll take a drive to that old chain of lakes area from your dad's place. Not that far, twenty five minutes, whatever. Mm -hmm. And go down that road and what used to be, you know, kind of beat up old asphalt and various, I mean, imagine your worst, <laughs> worst idea of, boy, does this need resurfacing? Oh, my gosh. And it's a lane and a half wide and, you know, all these little old fishing shacks that have kind of been spruced up by, you know, weekend warrior handy people, right. you know, and the sign out front that looks like the cabin and the arrow pointing in and all this kind of stuff and, and those days have passed as well, you know. The, those all got, you know, built, built, added onto, built up, or or torn down, and year rounders. And it's just different. I mean, the road now is, it's a highway going back out there, and it's yeah. you could you could rollerblade on it for crying out loud, and it's different. I it mean, really it seems like um, you've inherited it to begin with, 
or you've got a lot of money to right it's, right it's, it's, so a, it's a second harder. mortgage is no big deal <laughs> yeah and uh it's it's going to be your home away from home and you could stay up there all all winter if you want and a lot of people do you know yeah. i mean i don't know if that answers anything patrick but uh he recently forwarded us an article he found uh, about a a writer who was reminiscing about the days of the old hunting and fishing magazines. There still are plenty of them out there. Oh, yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. It reminded me that one of the things we do during cabin fever here in the midwinter right. is uh, go through the old outdoor life, field and stream, sports afield. Oh, yes. Um, even a herder's catalog. Sure. So if you're not watching um, Virgil Ward. The old re- you know, reruns of Virgil Ward. Yeah. Or, or you're not... Uh, that would might inspire you to get out the tackle box and look through all your stuff sure. and yep. maybe visit the you know the st- local sports store and look at bait and all that kind of stuff lures. Well, there are the magazines to page through. Absolutely, whet your appetite for that. getting out there. So I read I was some stories. Inspired yes. myself. Now my dad still does have a handful of like nineteen uh, nineties era. Outdoor Lifes, I think, or Field and Stream, I don't know. They're still up there, mm-hmm, up at the mm-hmm. cabin. Yeah. In a convenient little magazine rack next to the toilet. You know, I, <laughs> as I think I've mentioned, I, that's, I don't read there, but uh, apparently my dad does. So. But I sure don't get it. But I was inspired to, like, go back and order some old issues. I found a 1952 issue here of wow. Field and Stream. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of fun to see the old ads and everything. Yes. And, Yes. And, uh, I mean, you know, the, the articles and all the fish tips or the hunting tips, they're all relatively the same, I right. think, you know. Uh, the animals and their behavior of, of waterfowl or deer or other game birds, you know, they're you know they're the same and the hunters have dealt with it in various ways. But it's kind of fun to see the differences in advertising. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah. One of the ads that I always looked at were taxidermy ads. For some reason, sure. I had it in my mind when I was a kid. I was going to be a taxidermist. Ta- yeah. And uh, I think the closest I ever got, though, was killing a chipmunk, <laughs> skinning it, and uh, putting salt on its hide. And then I mounted it on a piece of paneling. What you need is a good spanking. And the whole process just kind of disgusted me. Not, not because it was cutting open. And, you know, I've done that. You know, clean of plenty course, of fish. Of course. But uh, for some reason, I just thought, why? where did I get this zeal to want to kill this cute little chipmunk? <laughs> In fact, if you want to know the full story, no, it's too late, Fudd, we don't. No, I, I, I shot it with a BB gun. Okay. And the thing was only stunned. And my dad came over. And the thing of it is, is my dad being a hunter, he didn't like to see animals suffering. So he went over and finished D- the job for me. Dispatched it, yes. But I insisted on taking the thing, and I was going to, you know, I wasn't going to stuff it, but I was going to at least skin it. Right. And I was going to mount it on this piece of uh, paneling and, and put first kill underneath it. Display the hide of your your first uh, critter. Yeah. And, uh, All six inches of that. That was kind of the beginning of the end for me. Chipmunk hide. <laughs> right. <laughs> World's smallest rug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. What did I just kick into? Oh, that's my chipmunk rug. It, uh, <laughs> some people have a Siberian tiger, which breaks... I think several laws at this point, but I've got a chipmunk. I've Look at a that. Chipmunk. First kill right Look down there. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I wasn't feeling cold. You can put really it over proud. your right right foot. It'll cover part of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Pull that chipmunk up over your head. And go to bed. Uh, so I wonder if that was <laughs> around the time I got that uh, that chipmunk jitterbug lure, that yeah, gas chipmunk yeah. lure, which I'm still, I, I'm, I'm going to try to find we'll one find of those. It. We'll find it yet. Well, I actually found one on eBay. It was listed, the, the bid was about $2.50. So wow, okay. I put in a bid for five bucks. The five spots. I thought, well, why, why the heck not? I might even go a few dollars more. Sure. But, but uh, a couple of days later, uh, I was informed that the winning bid was $111.50. Wow. So I thought, oh, well, never mind. But uh, what was even more uh, upsetting, I think, was that a day or so after that, the same lure was up for $115 as a starting bid. What kind of a uh, racket is that? How interested are you? Uh, chipmunk, it might be worth your time. That's when I, that I thought to myself, you know what? I, I bet you it's still somewhere in some old cast-off kid's uh, tackle box or something. I you don't might know. find yourself at a 
garage sale up uh, Cabin Country Way, FUD, and I mean, I just I, 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 I kept thinking, where was Steve O'Hearn saying, oh, five bucks? <laughs> <laughs> what? It didn't even have the packaging. Plus a hundred and six and fifty cents. So uh, anyway, uh, that, so let's let's wish them good fishing with their yes. chipmunk uh, arbogast. Right, right. Fine, fine lure. Well, anyways, Bjorn, I think it's time to say good night. Saying good night. Like to thank. Patrick McNulty for Absolutely. reaching out to us Absolutely. and sharing his woes, but we are always interested in anybody adding their ten cents worth, getting their That's voice right. heard here on Cabin Country. It was good to hear from Patrick, and uh, you can either email us at uh, cabincountrypod at gmail dot com, or find us on Instagram, which is how Patrick McNulty reached out to us. Without and, a doubt, without a doubt. And yeah, check out. Um, in fact, I, I did post a picture on our Facebook page uh, of that uh, lure. With the $111 price tag on it, so... If you've got one, you might let go slightly lower. Yeah. Let Fudd know. He's, there we uh, go. Fudd, I've got one for you. It's only I'll, tra- I'll trade you for a mug. $95. <laughs> right. Expensive right. chipmunk. All right. Well, we'll uh, drain the last of our coffees here. You bet. And, uh, you bet. Look forward to seeing you next time. We'll see you on Cabin Country next time after the closing of the cabin door. See you next time. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.